Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. And why don't you stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's Word. 1 Kings, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, come on, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. Come on, youth. Come on. Yeah, they know it. Come on. That's good. Know that Bible. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 19. Last week, I, I'm not really in a series, although this may turn into a series. I guess there is a theme that we are talking about and that is exposing the enemy and, and the devil and and if you're new today and you're kind of hearing a lot about the devil I'm encourage you to go back to last week watch that message uh, because um, we talked about him we broke him down whether you believe in the devil or not he believes in you uh, he's real and he's not a little guy in a pitchfork red suit uh, listen to me lean in here it is the devil is the evil influence in our world today He's the source of evil influence. Do you think there's evil in the world today? He's the source of evil. I think we've got a spirit of violence and murder that's on our, on our nation right now. It's, it's just having his way. And I believe that uh, it, it's, it's just the spirit of death that the, that the evil one is doing. He's wrecking. He's just having a heyday. It's something we're dealing with now that I haven't seen in, uh, in my lifetime. It's just like we've always had issues, but not like today. How many would say, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's everywhere all the time. Uh, and so that, that's a spiritual thing the Bible talks about. So there is a devil. And last week we talked about when the, when the thief comes uh, and uh, when the enemy comes. But there are other ways that the enemy tries to get us to be ineffective, right? To get us sidelined. Remember, he wants to ruin the work in you so he can stop God's work through you. Are you here? That's his MO. He wants to ruin the work of God in you so he can stop God's work through you because you are the only one that can bring healing and the salvation and the gospel to your workplace, your family, your community. You're the only way. An angel ain't going to do it. There's no angel in the New Testament that preached the gospel. Even the angel that appeared uh, to Cornelius, he said, I'm not going to preach the gospel because that's not on me. Go and send for Peter because it's been given to man. God told man, not Peter. It's our responsibility to go into all the world. The enemy knows that. So what does he try to do? To get us to stop us. And he's got many ways to do that. Last week, we talked about one of them. Here, I want you to bring your attention to the screen, Luke chapter 4. When the devil had finished all the tempting, he left Jesus, watch this, for an opportune time. He left Jesus after he tempted him. He left, but he left him for an opportune time. There are many different times that the enemy will come into our life where you will be engaged in spiritual warfare. And I believe one of those opportunities, we're going to talk about one of them today, that when he comes, is when we are emotionally tired, when we are wiped out, when we are empty. Sometimes after a big event, sometimes after a big letdown, when we experience a loss or a major disappointment, the enemy will come. And I want to just to tell you today that it's God's will for us to be healed and whole and that God can bring healing and wholeness to your mind, to your body, to your soul, even today, right now, watching this message and receiving what God has for you. 
And we're going to have an opportunity for prayer today. I may have to go two weeks with this. If I do, I know next weekend's Labor Day. I realize that. And if I wish I could, I'd move it. Because this is how I feel about this message today. We've got an epidemic of anxiety, fear, and depression that is just hitting pastors. Pastors are committing suicide. In the last 10 years, there's been more clergy commit suicide than ever. It's been everybody we know has been affected with depression. And uh, I want you to know that we are all susceptible to it, even being a man of God. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you won't be fatigued. And I'm going to show you, I believe that's why God left one of the greatest stories in the Old Testament. We're going to see arguably the most powerful prophet in the Bible who dealt with this, even to the point of wanting to take his own life. You're going to read it right now today. Are you ready? 1 Kings chapter 19. Chapter 18, you might have heard preached a million times. That's where he called fire down from heaven. When we were in Israel, I went there. I saw it. It was amazing to be at that place, same place. It's, it's where God had a showdown between Elijah the prophet and the wicked administration of Israel. A king named Ahab and his wife named Jezebel. They were wicked. They were pagan. They, had, they would sacrifice children, make them walk through the fire to their false gods. They were wicked people. Elijah was a prophet and a man of God, Elijah the Tishbite. And he heard the voice of God and he went and he challenged him and said, if your God is real, then let me see him do something. If my God is real, he will answer by fire. Sometimes we just got to confront you. Sometimes if you got a bully in your life, you just need a bigger bully. You just need to, to square off at him and said, enough is enough. I'm tired of you wrecking my family, wrecking my marriage, wreaking havoc in my peace and my joy and, and my future that God has for me. I'm tired of you still. And enough is enough. That's chapter 18. And Elijah did it. And I wish I could preach that today. But look what happened in chapter 19. Then Ahab, he's the king. He told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the false prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, she sent a message. This is equivalent to a Facebook post. This is the same as an Instagram post, what you're getting ready to read. This is it. This is it. This is all this woman did. She sent a post and put it on Facebook and said, Elijah and tagged him in it and said, let the gods do to me and even more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Watch the man of God, full of faith, full of power, just called fire down from heaven. Verse 3, when he saw this, he arose and ran for his life. Went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and he sat down under a tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. It's enough. Talking to some people that have been there. It's enough. It's enough. Now, Lord, please, Take my life, not my ministry, not my mood. Take my life. I'm out of here. Is anybody listening today? Take my life. I'm no better, better than my father. Father, we thank you for this word that you left in your Bible, the number one best-selling book in human history. And it's for a reason, because it's not a book, a novel, or a historic document. 
It is living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern the thoughts and intents of man. And separate even the soul and the spirit. Today, we give you permission to do surgery. And to, and to separate our spirit from our soul. Our mind, will, and emotions today. That's been damaged, offended, afflicted. And is heavy. Anyone battling depression, anxiety, and fear today. I pray they walk out of here free. After hearing this message, they are free. As you can do that, and you do it all the time in a moment. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. Breaking the cycle, I could call it fear, anxiety, and depression, but we're going to lock into depression uh, today and anxiety. I just want you to know, um, personally, I have not been a person that battles depression regularly before I got saved. My life was a wreck and I was always, just be real with you, I was always high or stoned, so uh, it always never could tell you. But when I got saved, I did have my first couple of bouts with depression and anxiety, had my first panic attack ever uh, is when I became a Christian. It's just because there are spiritual things that you battle uh, that we do. Uh, So, uh, but I do want to recommend a book to you today because there are, even though I may have to break this into two weeks, this could be one of those topics that is really deep. And there's a man of God, a pastor who I highly respect named Pastor Chris Hodges. He just wrote a book called Coming Out of the Cave. Please get it. If you know someone dealing with depression, he takes this story, 1 Kings chapter 19. This is what all of us preachers use. Uh, and he, he has a Holocaust survivor who, was, who became a therapist who chimes in and tells him how he overcame the, the chambers. Uh, he's got all kinds of medicines and stuff he talks about from the secular way, but it's saturated in scripture and it's powerful. So I recommend that book today. I got one thing I'll pull out of that book uh, today, but uh, in 2009, I dealt with my kind of first big round. We had a pretty bad year. I'm not going to go detail in it details, uh, but I had a motorcycle accident. Uh, My bike slid 52 feet uh, on Pelham Road in Taylor. I cracked my helmet. Uh, When you crack a helmet, you must have hit the ground pretty hard. So I had a mild concussion, but God be the glory. I was fine uh, as far as I had a sore ankle and some other things, but um, I had to miss work. I was out of work and I got myself uh, in, in a bad place that I haven't been since I've been serving the Lord. And I mean, you guys know my story. If not, God pulled me out of a, a cycle of drugs and alcohol and violence and just a mess. Uh, and, and I never, I, I just, you know, God just helped me do that. But I began to experience some serious things. My family was going through my, some things. My daughters were teenagers, said enough. And, uh, ministry was was happening they had their own struggles it was just a, it was a tough year uh, and so I always look to the Bible. I don't just preach it to you. I, I live it when I say find yourself in the Bible. What I mean, that not, not in a narcissistic way, but in a way of I need help. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. We live by this word. So I dove into the word and I said, how did you help people that's feeling the way I am? And that's where I came across 1 Kings 19. I got in the pulpit and preached it for the first time. Some of you may remember it. I entitled it Overcoming D-Day. I'm going to bring that cycle to you today, uh, D-Day, but I've titled it something different. Uh, And then I'm going to show you how Elijah got into the cave. And then we're going to pray there because I'm going to show you there about depression and the mindset there. Next week, I'm going to talk about how God brought him out and he stayed out. Elijah never experienced and went into the cave again, although he did wrestle with depression 
And he had, I'll show you that again next week. But today we're going to focus on what leads to that, what happened to this mighty man of faith. And we're going to get victory in our minds today. Okay, are you ready? So here's the cycle. I'm going to give, you to, give it all to you right now. Here's all of it right now. This is the cycle God showed me that Elijah went through, that I found myself And it is simply this, oftentimes disappointment leads to discouragement, which can cause detachment and can result in depression. This is the cycle that uh, I found myself in. Many of you will recognize this cycle in your own life when I begin to break it down. This is what Elijah did, and I'll show you that. What is so good about this is ever since then, I've had my bouts with these issues, but I've been able to now recognize where I am on this cycle. Uh, okay, I feel like teaching today. Is that okay? If you want to hear some good preaching, go back to YouTube. I yell and scream. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. But today, we need some teaching sometimes. And let's see what the Lord does. But I I now look at my life when I'm going through these cycles. And I, I can identify where I'm at in this cycle based on God's word and all the scriptures. And I'm able to adjust. And that's what I want to leave you with today. Because you're going to see yourself, whether you're a depressive person or you're like me. You're a guy that's not cup. Half full, you're a guy that's cups always full. How many, how many know some people like that? How many are irritated by people like that? <laughs> I've just always been that kind of person. This hasn't been my thing uh, until I got saved and got into ministry. When I first became pastor, I dealt with my first panic attack. Welcome to the ministry. Right, Dad? Dad tells you all about it. He's got asthma when he was 40 years old, pastor in the church. And he, I mean, it's just, uh, uh, so anyway, but I've had to learn some of these things and recognize the cycle of, of when these things happen. So let, let's kind of break it down and get into it. First Kings in 19, 1 through 4 there, what you begin to see is a, a major disappointment. And what, I, what is a disappointment? Disappointments are simply the gap between our expectation and our experience. Whatever you are expecting, it's right here. If you are expecting your relationship, you expect this out of your relationship. You expect this out of that new job. You expect this out of that whatever. Uh, So here's our expectation. And then your experience, wherever that lands, according to your expectation, that's how much you've been disappointed. That's what a disappointment is. We all have it. Some have it on a regular basis, monthly, maybe weekly. Uh, It's just a part of life. That's exactly what... Elijah did. He called fire down from heaven in chapter 18. This is what he was thinking. We're going to see a revival in Israel. We're going to see Ahab and Jezebel are going to bow their knees. They're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Jehovah is Lord. And we're going to get away with the the Baal worship. And we're going to see a mighty revival. That's Elijah surely thought that's what was going to happen. That's why when he got that Facebook post, he ran for his life. It was a major, major disappointment. Look what the scripture says. It says, hope that is deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. That's been one of our scriptures here at the church. We've been experiencing many ups and downs over the 20 years. And uh, I love what Sister Mary Ban quoted this verse on our 20th anniversary. She said, this is a scripture that God brought to her and mine as well. We were hoping and praying that God would give us into a bigger facility and our ministry would continue to grow. Uh, and there was a lot of ups and downs. But now this, when it does happen, it is a tree of life. And let me just give you some hope right here. Whatever you, your disappointment may be, uh, whatever... Uh, setback you may be in right now i want you to know that when hope there is hope you need to have hope and when that day comes it is a tree of life 
Can you hear me today? It is a tree of life. I'm telling you, you will have life and healing and hope uh, and, and a renewed passion. You'll get your praise back again. Come on, somebody. You'll get your worship. God said, I'll, I'll take that spirit of heaviness off of you and put a garment of praise on you. Hallelujah. That's what God can do in your life. So if you, and this was a major disappointment. So he was, he was sick. This is when you have prayers that didn't get answered. This is when you have your marriage, you thought it would be better, you came to counseling, or you started coming to church, and, and you thought this was going to turn around, your, your young person joined the youth ministry, and you thought this was going to turn them around, and Brother Kavar pouring into them every week, and, and they jo- or someone joined this worship team, or th- whatever, and, and we have these expectations, but we see it not happening the way we thought would be happening, disappointment's going to come. What you do with this disappointment is exactly how far you go in this cycle. But you need to, I'm pulling back the curtain today and letting you see how the enemy works. This is how he gets us. This is exactly how he gets us. You find this all in the New Testament. When Pete Gideon, Old Testament as well, all over again. So, he had that major disappointment which led to the discouragement. That's what led to the discouragement with Elijah. It was because it was a major disappointment. There was no revival. What does discouragement mean? It means to take courage out. He's running for his life. There's no courage. Here's a man that stood on top of Mount Carmel and called fire down from heaven. Who was filled with confidence. Filled with power. Filled with passion. Now he lost his confidence. He's totally, what's, what's wrong? He's discouraged. He's totally discouraged. You see this in sports where an athlete, a quarterback, for instance, we saw this a lot in Detroit. When they throw a pick six or an interception, we saw that many times. And what happens if they got a good coach when they go to the sideline, that good coach will say, I'm putting you in the next play. Why? Because if you sit here from that disappointment and that discouragement sets in, it's going to hinder your future game. So you watch, they put him in. They do the same in baseball with a pitcher. They'll put him right back in and they'll have him do some handoffs. They'll have him do some short little passes. Why? To build up their confidence again. That's exactly what you and I are supposed to do. And and what Elijah should have done was simply go back to the Lord and say, okay, I don't understand this, but you just brought fire down from heaven and I know you can do it again, but he did. He was so discouraged. The scripture says this in Proverbs, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Here it is. But a good word makes it glad. Anxiety is the Greek word for to fret or to have fear. You see how this is a cycle. His heart sunk when he read that post. His heart sunk when he read that post. His heart sunk when, have you ever discovered something that you thought they were doing so good or this was happening, but you overheard a conversation and someone that you love said something about you? or you saw the text message, or you saw the, someone sent you some snapshots of what someone said to you, and you read that, or you saw that. And it could be something even more serious where you discovered something that you didn't think was there at all, and that heart just sinks. Oh my gosh. That's exactly what happened to Elijah. That's a trick of the enemy. That's a trick of the enemy. Sent this man running for his life. Let me just say this, these two right here, I would say, this comes the turning point right here, is disappointment and discouragement. This right here 
to go any further. This can decide whether we go into the cave of depression or not. It's how we handle these two. Because, be honest with you, we're going to have disappointment and discouragement regularly. It's going to happen. Get used to it. It's part of life. We live in a broken world. People will disappoint you. Let me give you a real big revelation. Are you ready? Pastor will disappoint you. Your favorite pastor, preacher, whoever they may be, are going to disappoint you. Because there's only one person that can walk on water. There's only one person that said, let the enemy come for me because he's got nothing in me. There's only one person that will never disappoint, that will never discourage you, that will never lie, that will never do anything to deceive you. His name is Jesus. And that's why we worship him. So please don't put a pastor on a pedestal. Please put me on your prayer list. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to tweet that today because I need your prayer. Your leadership needs your prayer. Your boss needs your prayer. Young people, your parents need your prayer. Anyone in leadership, you're going to experience disappointment and discouragement. You're going to be thinking, man, this is then You're going to find out what so-and-so did and what they said and what happened. It's going to hit you. One of the biggest things I've had to learn as a pastor from that panic attack time to now is be able to minister God's word and still be discouraged in my heart. You've got to learn in ministry. You'll learn this in ETS. You've got to learn to have thick skin but a sensitive heart. It's not easy to get up and to go to work and smile on your face when your teenager just ran away from home and is on drugs and want to have nothing to do with you. But you got to go in and listen to that coworker brag about how their son and daughter is now in their second semester at college and they're doing so well and you have just been up all night because the enemy's been attacking you and making you feel like you failed as a parent. Is anybody here today at 16650? That's the enemy. That's what he does. He comes with them arrows of, dis- of discouragement. Where's God at now? Where's God at now? Why didn't he answer that prayer? Why didn't he answer that prayer? That's cool that so-and-so got healed, so-and-so got a breakthrough. What about you? What does Ephesians 6 say? Be careful for his darts. That's a dart. That's an arrow, by the way. I make sound effects. Guys do. It's an arrow of discouragement. And it will get heavy, and it got into this greatest prophet that has ever lived. But this is a turning point. Like I said, you're going to have these. You can pivot from these. What you need is encouragement, because the word encourage, watch this, means to put courage in. It means to simply put courage in. That's why it is so important that we be the body of Christ and we encourage one another. That's why we need Barnabas in our life. Barnabas was the guy who was so full of encouragement, they changed his name to Barnabas, which means full of encouragement. How many know some people that are like Barnabas? How many would like to be a Barnabas? Let me challenge you today. Be a Barnabas in someone's life. Even though when you're going through something, because you never, ever know what that person next to you needs, is to be encouraged and to tell them, listen, man, you can make it. That was good. That was awesome. Hey, you can do it. You can turn it around. God's got this word. I don't understand it either. I don't have all the answers, but I'm telling you, God has not failed you yet, and he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That's just the kind of God we serve. Encouragement. You're putting courage back in. You're putting courage back in. That's what happened to Elijah. But the problem with Elijah is what led to his big problem in verse 3. He didn't, he didn't have a Barnabas. He left his Barnabas. Look at verse 3. And when he saw, he arose and he ran for his life. Watch this. And he went to Beersheba.
He left his servant there. Here's detachments. What you do with disappointments and discouragements can change the trajectory of your life, of you going in and out of this cycle. If you stop it at discouragement and say, I just need to get in the house of God. I, I just need to watch that message. I, I need to listen to that song. I, I need to get, I need to call somebody. I just need to show up just to be there so I can, I hope someone will walk up to me and tell me, I just am so hungry for a word of encouragement. That's how you got to be. That's how you and I got to be to get to the house of God. But many don't. And they do what Elijah did. Elijah went to Beersheba. Everybody say Beersheba. Beersheba. He didn't go to get a beer. Which, did you know alcohol, by the way, is a natural depressant? <laughs> Just think about that for a moment. <laughs> Why am I so depressed? I don't know, Johnny. Put the 40 down. Amen. Come on, somebody. Because sometimes it's not a devil, it's our decisions. Should have been here last week. So anyway, he went to Beersheba. Beersheba means, watch this, a place of the oath. This is where he made an oath to God and said, I'll never leave you. Use me. He had one of them services that we had. Use me. <laughs> I will go. I'll be a blocker. How many people have you blocked this week? How many, let me say it like this, because some of y'all may not know what I mean. How many have you blocked? How many devils have you blocked this week? I still need some blockers. Your person next to you needs a blocker. Tell the person next to you, tell them, say, you need a blocker. Tell them and say, I want to be that blocker. You need a blocker. You need, what does that mean? That blocks the enemy from getting them too discouraged. When someone talks about them, you stand in the way and go, hold up. Hold up. Let me block that. Because I don't know what you're saying. Don't line up with how I, how I know this brother or sister. I, 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 you don't realize what happened. There's a spirit of Jezebel. I'm going to get there in a minute. There, there, there's a spirit that's working in there, and he works with our emotions. That's what, that's what he does. And, and he tries to sow discord and all kinds of negativity in your mind and in your spirit, where you used to think good about that person, but now because someone just dumped all over you, they're garbage, now you're starting to look at them a little bit different. What happened? The enemy has come. He's had his way. Whenever you feel like you need to take a, a, a bath in, in your emotions after having a conversation, I've had them. How, how many know when you just step into something? And I'm not talking about your dog in the backyard. The, the little present they leave for you. I mean, in your spirit, you're like, ah, oh, you walk away like. Eh. That's what happened. And I've even been used on both sides. Let me be real with you. And then walk away like I was just being discerning and go, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? That's what he said to Elijah in verse 14. The Holy Spirit, first word God said to him is said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing in this cave? Because he went under a tree, but then he goes into a cave of depression. And depression is like a cave, right? You know there's a way out, but you just don't know where it's at. And when you're in the dark, your mind plays tricks on you. I'm going to get there in a minute. You, you, you'll see a moth and you'll think it's a bat. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What'd they say about me? See him looking at me? Why'd they look at me like that? They just looked at you. But the enemy will come. No, they're talking about you. That's why they couldn't look at you like that. He went to Beersheba and said, this is where he took an oath and said, God, I'm never going to leave you in here. He, he broke that oath, which many people do when they get discouraged. Please hear me. This is what people do when we get discouraged. We quit. This is how you get preachers and pastors. 
This is how you get leaders when they quit. And I'm talking to somebody that may be walking off the field right now in the spirit because you quit. I want you to know that the enemy has lied to you and you got a church full of people and you got a host of heaven saying, please don't quit. If you just get back in the game, I'm going to fight your battle with you. I'm going to stand right next to you. I'm going to lock arms with you because I got this and I'm going to help you get through it. But he went to Beersheba, but look at that last part. He left his servant there. This is where you begin to go into depression, when you isolate. He left his Barnabas there. This is what the enemy does every time is he tries to get you from where God puts you. He can't steal your salvation. He can't steal your promised land, but he can get you to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years and never enter into it. Never enter into it. He can't push you off a cliff, but he can intimidate you and make you jump and try to scare you. That's what he did to Elijah, the greatest prophet. Greatest prophet, Elijah. My grandson is named after him, Elias, which is the Greek word for Elijah. Miranda and Tyler named him Elias James. He's so cool, he's got two first names. But Elijah's mighty. It means the Lord is my God. Rebecca, God is your God. Jehovah's your God. That's why you're here today. Right? And she knows that. The Lord is my God. He left his servant there. Detachment. Tell the person next to you, don't detach from where God has you. Don't detach. Those of you at home, don't detach from where God has you. He isolated himself, and the enemy will try everything to get you isolated. The first problem in the Bible is not murder. The problem in Genesis 2.8, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Doctors, this is what I got out of that book. It's so good. They say that our cortisol levels increase when we feel cut off from people. Chemicals in our brain, the way God has designed us, those chemicals work. They operate when we have good times and bad times. Well, cortisol levels will raise when you feel that you've been cut off from people. This triggers your fight or flight instinct. We are created for community. Jesus stayed within his tribe in his most difficult hour. He could have got a better tribe. He had them falling asleep on him, but hey, he still brought them to the garden. In 2020, we were introduced to a term called social distancing. I hated that from the day one. You go back on our YouTube and I preached against it way back in 2020 in the chapel, staring at a thing on top of a table with four of us and Joe with some smoke and a fan. You guys saw the video on that Friday night. And I was preaching about social distancing. Well, this is what happened in 2020. The mental health hotline went up, are you ready? 900%. 900% in that one year. Listen, those of you that may be watching online, I know many watch from outside the area. Shout out to my cousin, Pam, and Ralph and the family in Florida. Other family members all over the place and they can't get to the church. But those of you that are in the area and you've been gone because of COVID, You've been gone because of something being afraid. Now take care of your health, I'm telling you. But listen, by all means, get back into the house of God. Come on, come on. Will you help me welcome them back? 
Get into the house of God. It's time to come back. You need to be in the house of God. You need to hear other people worship. You need to hear their voice, whether they're annoying and they can't sing. You just need to hear. You need to hear clapping. You need to see and smell and hear and be in the environment because your soul and your senses need that. We were, we were built for that. So the enemy does. The enemy will take us down so much easier when we are isolated. How many know what I'm saying? Worst thing we can do is when we're in, I, isolated. Now let's get into that, the deep final part right here. This is what really blew my mind. I got some of this out of that book he brought out. And I said, yes, that's me. When I was going through those cycles and here he gets into depression is when he began to listen to his self-talk more than God talk. Listen, he began to get into his head. Verse 4, verse 10, verse 14, he repeats this statement. I am the only one left. I am no better than my fathers. They're not true, but he began to believe them. Because in chapter 18, Obadiah comes to him and says, Elijah, I have personally hid 300 of God's prophets from Ahab. He knew there were more prophets than him. But here he's saying, God, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that's serving you. I'm the only one that's living holy. I'm the only one going to church on Sunday. I'm the only one that's doing it. I'm the only one feeling this way. I got nobody that loves me. I got nobody that's got my back. I got nobody that really cares for me. Listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. This is a process that I just learned. It's called rumination. How many know how, chew, how cows chew the cud? Okay, we got some farmers right here in the rural area, but everybody knows how cows chew the cud, right? They, here, okay, gross alert. They, they chew the cud, they swallow it, then they regurgitate it, they chew it again, they swallow it, they regurgitate it, almost done, then they swallow it, they regurgitate it. This is a process called rumination. Do you know that that is exactly what what therapists and doctors say, what happens to people that are in depression. They ruminate their thought process. And every time it comes back up, it's worse than it was the first time. Every time you rehearse that incident, that conversation, that fight, that problem, every time it comes up, every time it does, it's worse and worse and worse. And it may not be true, but you believe it. He was not the only prophet, but he began to believe it. And the more we bring it up, the more we start to believe it it's called rumination and this is what happens and it don't don't it always happen at when you're tired and late at night for me it's after I minister and after I pour my heart out I thought I was all alone then I read a book by Charles Spurgeon one of the greatest Puritan preachers ever who battled the black dog of depression most of his life and he said it always came Monday morning it always will come whenever you empty yourself after you get through a big event or big trauma or something you may make it through no problem but wait until the enemy will try to come when you're weak and when you're tired and when you're empty does anybody know what I'm telling you today This is exactly what Elijah did, verse 4, verse 10, verse 14. He's starting to say these random things. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left. I'm by myself. I'm no better than anyone else. They don't love me. They don't love me. Brian Tracy says 95% of our emotions are determined on how we talk to ourselves. 95%, this doctor said, how our emotions are, how we talk to ourselves. This Elijah was a completely different guy six verses later. Did you notice that? He's a completely different person. 
He's calling fire down from heaven. So much confidence, he's mocking them. Maybe your God's in the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's saying in chapter 18. Y'all read it. Your God is sleeping. He's weak. Come on, cut yourself and, and yell a little louder. I mean, he's having a field day. Then he gets this message six verses later. He runs to a cave and says, God, take my life. He's a completely different person. And those three verses tell us what's going on inside of this mighty man of God, filled with faith and power. As that cycle begin to come. That cycle begin to come. Maybe this is why the Apostle Paul told us in Philippians, finally, brethren and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Anything that's excellent, praiseworthy. Watch this. Think about these. Now let me jump into Jezebel for a moment. I know this could go for another hour. Jezebel, as some of you may not know, she is a person in the Bible. She's a literal woman that was the king's wife. But the Bible teaches that she was also a spirit. There's also a spirit of Jezebel. Jesus mentions her in Revelations chapter 2 where she infiltrated an entire church. This is what a spirit of Jezebel does. It feeds on emotions and it seduces. Jesus said it's a seducing spirit. It will confuse you and me based on how we feel. But let me tell you this. What you feel may be real, but it doesn't mean it's true. What you feel may be real, but it doesn't mean it's true. Come on, somebody. You may feel that you're all by yourself, but it ain't true. You may feel that your identity is this way sexually, or you have this, this. You may feel, your feelings are right, bro. Your feelings are right. That's the way you feel. Young people taking pictures. I love it. They're taking pictures of that screen. They know this is, this is God. It came from God. Pastor, I ain't smart enough to make this up. How you feel, and that's where the church goes wrong. This is where we go wrong when we try to help people that's battling depression. Well, knock it off. Suck it up, my generation. Put some dirt on it, boy. Get back in there. And you'll see, I'll show you next week, when the angel came, he didn't say none of that. He didn't say none of that to Elijah. I can't wait for next week. Let's back up. Let's stay right here. Let's stay right here. This is what he was saying. What you feel may be real. He really felt like he was the only one left. He really felt that. He really felt Pastor Eddie didn't like, I'm just using me because I'm up here, got the microphone. You may feel that way. And if you feel that way, what happens? You begin to act that way. Because a mindset is a cycle. Bad mindsets are like a flat tire. You'll go, but you won't go far. You'll go, but you won't go far. You'll be in church making it, signing up, harvest party, yes, I'm awesome. And all of a sudden, tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow, next week, here it comes. Ain't nobody care for you. Ain't nobody this, ain't nobody that, ain't nobody this, and this, and this. Who am I talking to today? Blah, 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 blah. And your feeling's real. And I've learned not to come along. I can't tell you how you feel. And that's where we mess up. We had all kinds of problems in 2019 in 2020 that was ripping our nation apart. We still got them. People feeling all kind of way. And I, I, I felt like I should need to just tell you, quit feeling that way. But I am not Elijah. 
this brother really felt like he was all by himself. And I want you to know that if you're feeling this type of way, that the feelings are real, but it don't mean it's true. I said it don't mean it's true. You are loved. Even if you ain't loved by that person, you're loved by the one that made you. You're loved by the one that created you. You're loved by the one that's got your future already nailed out. You're loved by him. He loves you. He's with you even when you don't feel like he's with you. That's a real feeling. Elijah felt all alone. He said, I'm the only one left, God. That was real. But at the very end, I love what God, he always gets the last word. When he brought him out, he brought Elijah out. I'll show you how he did it next week. But then he said this, oh, by the way, I have 7,000 prophets that haven't bowed their knee. Just want you to know, you ain't by yourself, bro. Okay, let's go on. I love God, man. He always gets that last word in, don't he? Like Sarah, when she laughed at the idea that she was going to have a child in her 90s. Remember that story? She laughed. And God said, why are you laughing? She goes, I didn't laugh. And he said, yes, you did. Read it. The Bible's hilarious. The Bible's not boring. You're boring. Come on. I'm about to end. You guys ready? This is how you do it. 2 Corinthians 10.4. I got so bad that I hated to be alone. Okay? I hated to be by myself because when I was by myself, I would have these thoughts. And my mom went through this back in the day, and I remember how my mom got through it, and she helped me get through it. But it was uh, afraid of being by myself. I would volunteer to train new guys at work. That's got to be, you got to be bad. <laughs> because I wanted to have someone in the cockpit with me when I went driving making deliveries. And they were some winners, dude. And you know what? Try to minister when you're going through something. Like when Joseph was in prison. God, that's just like God. You pray for something, he's going to give it to you. I did not feel like talking to this guy about Jesus when I didn't feel like Jesus was even with me. But God says, I got to stretch you, Eddie, because you have no idea, but you're going to be a pastor. And God has a sense of humor, don't he? That's what he began to do. And this is the scripture God gave me. I was sitting at a cruising muir restaurant in Grand Blanc. Or is it Grand Blanc? Grand Blanc. And I pulled over the side of the road, made my deliveries. I was back in the parking lot. I was in my truck had my Bible, I would take my Bible with me. And the Lord told me this. He said, Eddie, you listen to the words of the enemy and you're letting the words that he says to you chase you like Elijah. It was just a word that he read. He didn't even see her. She didn't even come to the door. It was a messenger. It was a note, but it was powerful. It was a word that he listened to. And God said, you listen to his words, but he speaks his words to you, but my words are written down. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot or tittle will pass away from my word. So who you gonna believe? Right there in the parking lot at, at that restaurant, I lifted my hands and I had church, brother. I got free. I got free. I got out. I walked around my truck. People probably thought I was crazy. And I was walking around praising God because for the first time, I began to have that cycle begin to break. That cycle begin to break. And then here's the thing, and I'm going to close with this. God will clean you out. He'll break that cycle. We're going to pray over you today. He can break that cycle today. But you have to, now you are responsible to put the seed back in. Don't just, oh, that's a good message. No, Jesus said, 
Jesus said, when a house is cleaned and swept and put into order, somebody say breakthrough. When he cleans us out. When you come to Jesus and say, forgive me of all my sins, heal me and set me free. I've been not blocking people. I don't know what your issue is. You say it to God. He's going to forgive you. He's going to clean you. He's going to break that cycle in your eye. You are clean and empty. You are exactly what Jesus said. It's a house that has been clean. But he says this, you can't stay empty. For the evil one will come back. And he came back to Elijah. I'll show you that. He came right back to Elijah. And it's amazing. He tried the same. He didn't have a new tactic. He didn't have anything new. It was the same thing that got him the first time. Jesus said when the enemy comes back and if he sees it empty, if he sees us going right back to our cycle, after God done set us free. Thank you, Debbie Gambino. You see how that word fit right in. We don't need another miracle if we haven't done anything with the last one. Why would God give us anything new if we haven't used what he's already given us? I got my hand up. I was like, okay, okay, God. The Bible says the enemy will come back. Like I told you, he'll come for an opportune time. He came back. Jesus said the enemy will come. And if he sees it empty, he sees it empty. Ain't no word in there. Ain't got time for God. You know, I got to get my little what I want. You ain't got no time for God. Okay, go ahead, bro. Because Jesus said that same devil that came out, he's going to go get, watch this, seven more, watch this, that are worse than he. He ain't like he wouldn't get some dudes hanging out that's like half as bad as him. He wouldn't got seven more brothers that are stronger and heavier and tougher than him. And they came back and Jesus said the latter end of that man was worse than in the beginning. Why? Because he stayed empty. When God set me free, I said, God, from this day forward, I promise. Now, I don't, I'm not big into making oaths. You take this however you want to. But I said, God, I will read my Bible every single day. I don't care if it's just one word or one scripture. I've gotten up on vacation at 1130 at night and forgot because I'm out zip lining and snorkeling. And the Holy Spirit goes, <clears throat> and I go rushing down, open that Bible. When I worked, it was real bad. When I'm on vacation, now I start my day. Now I love to be in his presence. Now if I go a few hours without it, I feel like I'm stepping in and out of something. I feel like something's missing. And what, what happened? I was putting the seed back in. And that cycle has never come back. And every time it comes after a disappointment or discouragement, I'm able to go, whoa, 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 I recognize this cycle, devil. I, rec I need some encouragement. So I'll get around Brother Ennis. I'll get around Brother Gary. I'll get around Carissa. I'll get around LaDon. I'll get around people, and I'll just stand there, and I'll just say, come on, God, and let them say, man, that was a good word. Oh, man, you're doing good, brother. You're doing good. I'll get around Robert George. They'll say, Pastor, you're doing good, Pastor Ray. I love you, man. And that's all I need. All of a sudden, that courage is coming back in. That courage is the next thing you know. I turn around, I start blessing them. Man, God is, is going to finish what he started in you, brother. And we're texting each other, and I'm getting this message. Is what's happening, because I've learned to stay out of that cycle. Don't leave your servant. Don't leave your church. Don't leave the body where God has placed you, please, with everything in me. I'm not, I don't know if anyone's leaving the church. <laughs> I don't know. I just said that. Don't leave your community of believers. Don't leave where God has put you.
because you're going to need them. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.